so thankful for them. If you don't have a Bible, why don't you raise your hand? If you have one, go ahead and turn with me to Psalm 103. We'd love to give you a free Bible if you don't have one this morning. We're in a new series called Draw Near. We finished our Party in God series. If you missed the first installment of Draw Near, it's on our app, on our All People's app as well. You can find it on the website. Our podcast is updated weekly on Monday, so encourage you to listen to those to track with us as a family as we continue to try to hear God and talk about what he's speaking specifically to our church family. So we're in this series called Draw Near, and I want to start this morning by telling you one of my favorite maxims, and that's this. If you give a man a fish, you feed him for a day. But if you teach a man to fish, you feed him for a lifetime. If you give a man a fish, you feed him for one day. If you teach a man a fish, you feed him for a lifetime. And that's one of the core truths that we try to operate by at this church is we don't want to just feed you when you come, but we want to equip you and teach you to feed yourself. Now, I've got to start with a confession today, and it's a confession about being a dad. I have four children, and I've, I've loved when each one of them was born. I've, I've loved when they're babies, but let, my confession is this. I love it when they get out of the baby phase. And the reason why is because I don't have to spoon feed them anymore. Now, some of you guys know my oldest child, Hallie. She's 10, year old, 10 years old. She turned 10 this last week, which was a big, big deal for our family. We're in the tweens. And so watch out. But Hallie, most of you guys know she's a very lovely, graceful, obedient, sweet, compliant, honoring little girl. But she didn't start that way. Eight months old, she was very stubborn, and it took a lot of work to get her to the point that she is today, that I had to invest in her life, and my wife did a little as well. And <laughs> at eight months old, she had a stubborn little will inside of her, and I remember like yesterday, a showdown we had in my house. Anybody have a showdown before in their house? Okay, there's three of us, and... We had a showdown at the dinner table, and it was over peas. Now, my daughter, Hallie, at eight months old, I got a spoonful of peas. Everyone should like to eat their peas, right? I got a spoonful of peas, and I'm telling Hallie, you know, here we go, sweetheart. Let's open our mouth and have the peas. And she, she just locked down, <clears throat> locked jaw. No peas are going in that mouth. And so I did what you would do. You know, I started pulling out some different tactics. And so my first one was modeling for her how wide I could open my mouth. So I'm like, Hallie, it's time to eat your peas. Ah, you know, and, and what did she do? <clears throat> Just lock that jaw. So then, you know, I, I started getting a little more creative and did the helicopter. Have you seen the helicopter? Here comes the peas. <laughs> you know, and I'm thinking this is going to be encouraging. This is going to eat her peas, right? No, she did not like the helicopter. So clenched jaw. So, so then I get into bribing mode, right? So Hallie, if you have these peas, you're going to get some ice cream. She did not care about that ice cream. Hallie, if you get these peas, you're going to get a treat. You know, by the end, I'm probably promising Disneyland or something. Just eat the peas. So that, the bribing doesn't work. So I finally get to the threatening. If you want to see your first birthday, you will eat these peas, girl. <laughs> that did not 
work. Now, I just have to tell you that there's been a debate even this week in my house as I was talking to the story with Steph. She goes, Robert, it wasn't peas. It was broccoli. And I said, girl, it wasn't broccoli. It was peas. I was there. So you see where, where, where the stubbornness comes from. It comes from my wife. And, and you might be thinking, well, no, Robert, you're stubborn. No, I'm just right. Okay. Um, it was peas. So by the end of it, I'm going, okay, well, maybe I expect too much. So I, I'm kind of, you know, dumping some peas off. I'm trying three peas. Three peas won't work. I, I finally pull out a knife and I'm cutting a pea in half. You will eat this one shred of a pea. I'm just hoping it gets in her mouth and dissolves. So I win, right? Therefore, I was very excited when several months later, Hallie was able to pick up a spoon and feed herself. You know that a child is maturing when they can begin to feed themselves. And I want to tell you that you know that you're maturing as a follower of Jesus when you can start feeding yourself. Now, unfortunately, I think if we looked around a lot of churches with spiritual lenses, with kind of Christian x-ray glasses to see the spiritual state of people that although the person next to you might look like a mature 40 or 50 year old person dressed nicely this morning, if you put some spiritual glasses on, I think sometimes we'd be shocked to look next to us and see someone just in a big spiritual pampers diaper with a pacifier in their mouth. And I don't want you to stay as a spiritual baby. I want to tell you that I spent way too many years as a spiritual baby. And what's the spiritual baby do? They just expect to be fed. They expect to be served mushed up peas and it just spoon fed into their mouth. And the Bible says, Paul says, hey, I don't want you to stay as babes. You should move on to the deeper thing. So today I want to teach you how to feed yourself. You guys ready to learn? So we're going to jump in this. Now, when I was coming back from our Mexico trip, when I was a junior in college, my eyes were open and I had seen for the first time people make decisions to follow Christ. In fact, I had been able to lead some people to the Lord. And for the first time I had seen miracles with my own eyes and we had engaged in this kind of passionate worship like we were doing this morning. And my desire was to start growing. And I want to tell you, that's where it's got to start. You've got to have the desire to grow in Christ. Now, if you don't have that today, it's simple. You just ask for it. You don't have the desire to say, Jesus, I know you want me to grow. Would you put a desire in my heart? And the Bible says that anything we pray in accordance with his will, we know that we have what we ask. So you just start praying, God, give me the desire. Say, give me the desire. Now say it like you mean it. Give me the desire to grow in you. Now, I just played a trick on you because now you're going to start having this desire. Even if you didn't want it, I made you say it. So now it's going to happen because it was in accordance with God's will. Ha! So now that we all have that desire, I, I had that desire coming back from that Mexico trip. And all of a sudden I had this opportunity to meet with Jimmy Seibert, who was our pastor. And so I'm so excited because he's kind of the leader of a movement. And he had seen God do all kinds of amazing things. And so I'm driving to his house and I'm thinking, okay, what questions should I ask? I have this one opportunity with this man of God, he's seen God move all over the earth. What should I ask? And the question came to mind, what is the one thing you'd do at my age to completely give your life to Jesus and start really growing in him? I didn't know what it would be. Well, I asked him that question and the response he gave me was fascinating. He said this, he goes, Robert, the children of Israel knew God's deeds. Moses knew his ways. And I thought, 
Thanks. Is that a riddle? I, I don't understand what you mean by that. It's from Psalm 103, verse 7. Let me just read it to you. It says this, he made his ways known to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. And so Jimmy began to unpack this for me. He said, you know, Robert, the children of Israel had seen God do great things. They had walked right through a Red Sea. They had seen these plagues come on the Egyptians to set them free. But when push came to shove, they wanted to just stay in their tents on the desert floor and just live life as normal and watch God from afar. He said Moses was different, however. Moses went up the mountain by himself and spent hours, even days, in the presence of the Lord, fellowshipping with him. So that at the end of his life, the Bible calls Moses a friend of God. Jimmy said, I want to be a friend of God. Well, that inspired my heart. And I said, I do too. So what does that mean, Jimmy? He said, Robert, you will never have more time in your life than you do now. I was a student at the time. He said, I would invest time daily. I would start each day by spending one-on-one time getting to know God. Now that makes sense to me, right? If you're starting to fall in love with someone, you spend time with them. When you're starting to date, you go off And have special times together. If you want to keep a healthy marriage, you're going to spend one-on-one time with your spouse. So it only makes sense to set aside time for God. We call it face time. We don't call it quiet time because often my quiet time is not quiet. And if it gets too quiet, I often fall asleep. We call it face time because we're desiring to talk to God face-to-face as a man talks to a friend. So here's my question for you today. Do you give your best time to FaceTime. You can write that down if you're taking notes today. Do you give your best time to FaceTime? Now here's the model. It's the model of Jesus. Jesus actually did this. Mark 1.35. Let's take a look at the scripture. It says, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Jesus actually thought it necessary for him to draw away and to have time one-on-one with the Father. If Jesus did it, how much more do we need to do it? So I was sold on this, but let me just tell you, two things don't go well together, and and that is college students and early mornings. (laughs) College students and early mornings, they don't seem to go well together. So I thought, you know what? I believe, I believe I should spend time with God. I believe he put me on the earth to spend time with God, but I don't do mornings. I don't believe anything good happens before noon. So I, I'm going to do it at night. So I decided I'm going to do this at night. So I I started trying to spend time with God every night and, and my intentions were good, but here's what I found. My nights were so inconsistent. One night I'd have a club meeting one night. I'd have tons of homework. And so often I just have a few minutes and I'd be drifting off trying to spend time with God. Or often if I had a bad day, I had a bad FaceTime because I just complained to God the whole time about what happened that day. And then I saw these verses in scripture. Let me just read them to you. Starting in Psalm five, verse three, it says, Oh Lord, in the morning, you hear my voice in the morning, you prepare a sacrifice for you and watch. It says, Verse uh, uh, 14 of Psalm 90, satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Psalm 57, 8, awake my glory, awake, O harp and lyre, I will awaken the dawn. 
When's the dawn? In the? There you go. Numerous scriptures. I just pulled out three, but there's numerous scriptures about starting each day. Seeking the Lord Jesus. I want to tell you, there's nothing like starting a day pursuing God. It's you're fresh, you're new, and you start by giving him the best. Now, I want to tell you, it was very hard for me to do that because I like to stay up late at night. I'm, I'm a night person. My parents used to say they could set their clocks by when I just came to life. It was 9.30 p.m. 9.30 to 1 a.m. That's like Robert's sweet time. Right, that, that's when I just came alive. And, and there's so many things that want to keep you up at night. But if you stay up late, it's hard to get up early. I, I, I want to tell you, there's an assignment in, in this country against Christians that keeps them staying up late. We, we get silly at night of the things that we stay up for. I mean, some things make a lot of sense. Like I love to watch football at night, right? But football often drifts off and into the late night and I just can't get myself to bed. But then, then sometimes we just get dumb about what starts captivating us at night, right? I mean, all of a sudden things that would never draw you during the day, you are interested in on the history channel. You've got to understand why there are cats inside Pharaoh's tomb in Egypt. And how do these cats survive? And you're like, no, sweetheart, I got to stay up and watch these special cats in the tomb of Pharaoh. No, and, and then you see, and I think they've finally proven that mermaids are real. And I've, I've got to stay up and watch, I mean, mermaids, cats in the tomb, Sasquatch? Really? We, we get drawn into things, and then the next day you wake up and you're like, why on earth was I watching Finding Sasquatch late last night? So you got to decide, you got to commit, okay, if, if I want to love the Lord, my God, with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength, so I really want to give him a good time in the morning, I've got to start getting disciplined to go to bed earlier. So you got to start planning your FaceTime in the morning at night. Okay, I am going to get to bed. You need, maybe you need to get an accountability partner to see what time you're going to bed. So let's say you get to bed and you are ready. You're going to set your alarm to get up. In the morning, all right, so here you are sleeping and the alarm goes off. I want to tell you that Satan has already planted a trap for you in the alarm. It's one of his most devious creations and it's called your snooze button. (laughs) There was some demon that created a demon named snooze that that got in and, and so Immediately, your alarm goes off, and you're just, oh, you know what? The Lord loves me. There's grace. Bink, and you just hit it over and over. It's, your hand is drawn. Sometimes you didn't even wake up. You were just, you were overtaken by the spirit of snooze. You got to get practical. I just, I'm going to give you some practicals this morning about meeting with Jesus. And, and, and one of them is getting an alarm clock without a snooze. Or put your phone or whatever you use to wake yourself up on the other side of the room. Okay, so, so then it starts going off, and it's going to keep going off. Some of you have roommates. One of the things that helped me in life was my alarm would go off, and it would keep going off, and I was too lazy to get out of bed, and then my roommate would grab a shoe and throw it at me. It's a lot easier to wake up when a shoe is coming at your face. So get some accountability. Get rid of that snooze button. 
And then go, and you, you need a, a place set out. Can I bring my props out? You, you need a place set up to spend daily time with God. I would encourage you to go to the same place every day. So I have a little desk that I go to. I've got my chair. And here's the deal, guys. God knows that it's hard for you to get up early in the morning. He knows that. And that is why he invented coffee. One of God's most glorious creations is coffee. And it's biblical, right? That he, he has a book called Hebrews, right? And so, so you wake up and you go and get your cup of divine goodness. You set it. I said at night before I'm telling you, I'm getting really practical right now. I get my little gourmet beans and they're already ground up. And, and so the, the aroma, kind of like the aroma from the temple, it draws me out of bed and I go and I pour my drink out offering out before the Lord. And I've got it with my, my mocha peppermint little latte stuff that I put in it. And now I'm a little more excited to get up because I've spent way too many mornings where I got up, I started trying to read it, and then all of a sudden I'm asleep in my Bible. And it's a real bummer when you drool when you sleep. So you get up, you got your coffee, and I come over to my desk, right? And, and I already know what I'm going to read in the Bible. I don't do this parting of the Red Sea Bible open up thing and just see what it falls to. And then all of a sudden it's Judas hung himself, you know, and flip to the next thing, you know, okay, God, I don't, I don't know if that's right. Go and do likewise. What I, that's not good. So I already know what I'm going to, what I'm going to read. And so for me, I, I, I usually read on my iPad because I can kind of flip it up. So I'm not reading like this and I'm more likely to fall. And so I'm, I'm reading my Bible and let me just teach you what I do to chew on scriptures. If, if you'll look in your bulletin, we put a little FaceTime lesson in there. If you pull that out for me real quick, this is just basically, I'm just preaching on this lesson today. We've created this lesson because we want it to be really simple for you. I think many people in the church think that the only people that can actually spend daily time with God are like scholars or they're the super spiritual people. They're seminary graduates. No, we have written this FaceTime lesson. So it's very simple. And the model we use is for normal, everyday, eight to five job working, normal school attending, blue jean wearing, charger cheering, in and out burger eating people. So this is for you. So this is what I do. I, for me, let's just say I was starting having FaceTime. I'd start with the book of John. So turn to the book of John, turn to John chapter one. And I read a verse, and then if you turn to the second page of your FaceTime lesson, on the second page, on the bottom corner, you see this three simple study questions. This is what I do. I just write out these three questions, or you could put it in three columns in your Bible. It says this, what does this passage teach about God? Who is God? What does this passage ap- 